back themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year in Golden State. Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. C. Grant, what's good? And we're here to bring you a special Boycott in the Bubble edition of Views from the Clutch. As always, we appreciate our listeners, viewers, subscribers, and contributors. If you would like to join that movement, you can do so by leaving us a voice note on any of the podcasting platforms where we are hosted. You can also reach us directly by email at gmail.com. You can tag us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Instagram and Facebook. Tell them why we're here, see, Grant. Tell them why we're here. Yo, basketball in the bubble might have bursted. Um, you have the NBA. Take, take it. And the NBA is um, the Milwaukee Bucks have decided to protest the games in light of the um, the shooting of Jacob Blake, the um, – the black man that was, yeah, um, he took eight to the back. He was a um, he he was a man with a family. He was at the scene to break up a domestic disturbance between two women. And the stories being reported is that when the police arrived, he was relieved that he no longer had to be, you know, in the midst of the entanglement. So he walked away to get into his car. In the process of getting in his car, police fired into his body eight times. The only problem is that inside of that car that he was walking towards were his three young children. Kids aged, I think, three, five, and eight, or three, five, and seven. Young kids. Yeah. So, so Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the state, is in, you know, kind of a, a state of unrest over, again, this perpetuated, long-standing issue that African-American people have had to contend with in this country in regards to, you know, the explanation of the Black Lives Matter movement and how we are categorically being mistreated and not being treated proportionally to our other racial counterparts in this country. So on one token of the end, at the early part of the week, we see this man who has befallen such a tragic circumstance. Then we see, as has been the case with any of these type of instances, the people take to the streets to protest. So in a response to the protests, the government rolled out, you know, military force, civil civil peace collective force, rubber bullets, and there's demonstrations and, you know, wanton violence happening amongst on the streets. In the second day of this protesting, uh, a young juvenile, he's only 17, decided to take out his rifle and go about and disperse his own form of justice. Now, there are a number of videos that show armed people all around these scenes. So I don't know how it happened, but he managed to shoot someone, run away from that scene. People who saw him shoot this person chased him only for him to fall down on the street and subsequently kill two people. And then after he killed these two people out in the open air with militia men with their guns on one side of the street, police walking up and down the street, he manages to take off towards police vehicles that simply tell him to get out of the way while he has his hands up in the air. And to continue that further, he even goes over to a parked police car with the sirens on and the police officers dismiss him. This young man, 17 years old, was arrested earlier today. And this all took place in the state of Wisconsin. So subsequently, the Milwaukee Bucks chose to boycott this game. They refused to take the floor. And as word traveled through the league offices and the executives and people within the bubble, it came to be an understanding that there'll be no basketball games played today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to clear some things up, uh, let's 
let's keep in mind for the for the uh, Mr. Blake and his family. There are a lot of things that we don't know about the situation, but as we can see in the and what's going on, it it doesn't it doesn't look good for for anybody in this situation, especially Mr. Blake, who, as we can tell, as what the videos and angles are showing us, that there's multiple ways that this could have been avoided. You know, this man did not have to get shot in the back. Uh, We're talking about an unarmed man being accosted by police officers and being shot eight times. And then the paradigm, and this is the thing that I didn't want to inject into this, but let's just go ahead and do it. Mr. Blake is black. He's a black man. He's an African-American. He's a person of color. And this 17-year-old kid who has now murdered two people is white. Yeah. So on one end, we have a demonstration of excessive use of police force against a black man. And then on the other, we have the police failing to do their job when the perpetrator is white. Well, also keep in mind that the police officer, the police officer that shot him is white. Exactly. So and again, and then here we are have we have another person, white person who has committed a serious felony is allowed to walk away and live and talk about it. Whereas a person, a black person who is possibility at worst case scenario to possibly be arrested or detained for a possible misdemeanor is murdered. You know what I'm saying? Like you see the dynamics of that? Like whereas if you start thinking from a a reasonable aspect, just from a human being aspect, if I see a person that can do bodily harm with a gun is allowed to live, but an unarmed person not even be detained, not even yeah, be questioned, not that's even what I'm saying, not even be bothered, not even be bothered. They, they told him to go, go about his day, like get out of the way. You're you're an obstruction. Exactly, and and the thing about it is, this has not happened. This has happened before in the past. And it, it continues to happen. I mean, you talk about the the person. I mean, we could go back to the person that shot this up. This is why the black people. Theater. This is why black people move to the suburbs and don't let their kids play with Nerf guns outside. Yeah, this is why. This is why a lot of black uh, don't go out at a certain hour. They say whatever I need, I'll get it tomorrow. I'll get it when it's. This is why. This is why hashtags like DWB exists. Driving while black. Yeah. This. This. I mean. This is. This is. Think of. Think of this. Right. And I know we have a lot of different races that listen to us, but think about this: a majority of other races besides black don't have to have a talk with their loved ones about interaction with the police. Black people almost have to. It's almost mandatory you, to have you, a conversation. You're not, you're not, you're not properly preparing your child as a black parent if you don't have that conversation. We have to talk. Yeah, about the conversation. Yes, the conversation. So again, you're failing as a as a parent of color. You're possibly failing. You're in the ninety seventh percentile of failing if if you don't take the time out to at least have the discussion with your child of color, African-American, black child, about how they may want to and will need to conduct themselves in the presence of police for their own safety. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. And that's where we are as a country. And that's where we've been since George, George Floyd happened. And I feel like every time we have a situation like this occur, we're just essentially going backwards in time. Mm-hmm. So I can understand and relate to the, the, the NBA players and their frustrations. It's valid. It's not misguided. Maybe you don't agree with the fact that they're choosing to sit down in their sport. And I can understand and respect you feeling that way as a fan of the sport or whatever, whatever reasoning you're giving yourself or, or you have for thinking that their choice to stand down from playing their occupation that's fine. I'm not mad at you for feeling that way. I, because again, we love the game just as much as anybody else, if not more. But 
this situation has taken a hold of our country and the world. And the sooner we can all come to one accord, the more likely we are to actually be able to attain some progress. So I commend these players and I commend the NBA for even with all that they've done to create a safe haven for the sport inside the bubble, being willing to acknowledge that inside of the bubble doesn't make them immune to what's going on in the real world. So, you know, I'm in solidarity with this, this situation. I don't have any, do you have any advanced information on, on, on like an expected length of this whole situation to play out? Or is no, just... I think word is that from what I was seeing on, on the different internet blogs and the um, different ESPN, the NBA TV and Bleacher Reports, uh, they're going to be talking, I think, at um, later on tonight about what's going on and how do they move forward because you have to figure there were uh, three big playoff games, could be playoff deciding games. Tonight. Yeah, these were these were possible series enders. Yeah. We had Milwaukee up 3-1 on Orlando. Yeah. We had the Lakers up 3-1 on Portland. But also you had Oklahoma and Houston who were tied 2-2. Correct. Um, so you have to also look at this from the standpoint of with all the games being canceled tonight, you don't do. And let's, let's talk about this for a second. There were talks prior to today that there were rumblings between Boston and Toronto talking about postponing and, and boycotting their game, which is not, it's not in played until Thursday night. So you're talking about what Milwaukee did. Milwaukee, to my knowledge, no one knew Milwaukee was going to do this until Milwaukee did it. So, well, I mean, we haven't potted in a while, so the temperature has been set. George Hill set the temperature when he made that comment uh, a couple days ago about, honestly, we should have never came here because we aren't really able to do what needs to be done for the outside world by being here, but we're here. Mm-hmm. So I kind of already had that energy prepared mentally that, like, yo, these players are, are, are like, the, the you know, like, the, the steam is well enough. Okay. The steam is well enough. So... The fact that I, I knew that Milwaukee as a franchise, being that they're based in Wisconsin, they couldn't sit this one out. They couldn't just say, all right, we're just going to shut up and play basketball. Yeah. yeah no okay. way. I think, I think also the tipping was the events that happened with the shooting at the protest. I mean, that's just that's – just, it makes it a, a, a delicate, crazy situation even worse. And the fact that you have a, a, a kid who's 17, white kid, shoots violently – at these protesters, kills some, and is able to walk away from it. That's just like, yo, hold up. We came down here for Black Lives Matter. We understand that people wear T-shirts and all that's cool. But at, at some point, Black Lives don't matter because I got this on my T-shirt, but people are still getting killed and white people are still walking away for it. And I don't know the, um, do you happen to know, have this been identified, the race of the victims, the people he shot? That part I have not identified. I don't know. But I just know that these people were protesting for for Jonathan for Jacob Blake, um, so I don't know for sure if he shot male, male, female, white, black. I'm sure that will and be he the shot. Least. He shot three total people. One got a, sh- a headshot and passed. One got shot in the arm and survived. And mm-hmm. I don't know where the third, the, the second fatal victim took their bullet. Yeah, um, so, I'm sure we. And def- I also don't know if they've published the the protesters. That were that were killed, raced. So I, I'm legitimately just gonna do the look up while we're talking. Yeah. So um, I, and I'll I'll talk while you you know you go look to that. But that's the thing where people are extremely fed up with this. You got to figure these players are making this extreme sacrifice, and a lot of some of these players come from these same communities where people are out there saying, "Hey, we are not being addressed. Our issues are not being addressed. We still have." The police, whether it's not even just the police, right? The police brutality, we've been that's been going on since the beginning of the time, right? But it's it's also the fact that you have the where you have evil people who are unfortunately these evil people are white, are killing innocent black people. And some people can also there's gonna be the people out there that say, Well, this guy had a record or this guy wasn't the clean he's not the cleanest. He's not the cleanest person. You know, he doesn't have the best. He's not the best person. He's not a person if you would want your daughter to date. It doesn't matter. Because in these individual situations, these the unarmed black men were not in the wrong. And then you have armed white men 
walking around and the police looking at them like, okay, carry on to your day. Whether you have unarmed black people that are getting murdered, shot, abused, beat, killed. I mean, there's too many of these things that have happened. Think about George Floyd passed away. He got murdered back in May. May, I think it was May 25th, if I'm not mistaken. They've Since, tactically, they've tactically, on major news outlets, made sure not to mention the race of the victims. So the victims were identified as a 26-year-old from Silver Lake, Wisconsin, and a 36-year-old from Kenosha, Wisconsin. So these are Wisconsin natives who who reside in the state. Yeah. Basically participating in their right to assemble who was shot and killed by a person who doesn't live there, who and, came there with, with, with an armed assault rifle. And let's, let's also look at this. This dude was 17. Now, I don't know what the laws are for Illinois when it comes to uh, bearing a, a, a firearm or a rifle at 17 years old. Well, he's going to be prosecuted for committing the crime in Wisconsin. My hope is that the fed, federal government gets involved because he took a gun across state lines well, and executed a homicide. He's already been charged. Yeah, so yeah but I'm saying, but if, but if the league intentional if, homicide. Well, the thing about crossing state lines, there are something called reciprocity, which means if I have if I have a person that has a valid gun license in a particular state, I could I could cross the state lines with that gun. Now I can't do murder, but that be going from state line to state line. It's not so what you're saying problem. is that you, you don't, you're not breaking a federal law if you have a licensed gun and yeah. both states allow for you to carry, carry. that, that, a- that, absolutely. that absolutely. Because absolutely. there is another underlying issue. You can have a gun that's legal in Illinois that's not legal in Wisconsin. So that's what I'm saying. There, but then there's there's going to be a lot to be broken down with what the, besides the fact that he's under the, the age, age of 18. Thing. Yeah, because the age thing we have to find out. Every state has different laws. Certain states have laws, gun, gun laws that are so strenuous that you know you have to spend thousands of dollars and you got to be a saint and you got to be over 21 then there's some states there's some states that are lenient where over 18 long as you breathe with a pulse and don't have a jail record you're good you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying so we don't i don't know where illinois and wisconsin fall into play but i'm just thinking from a from my standpoint i don't know if a person under 18 can have a licensed firearm. But again, I don't want to put that in the air as if that's the golden rule because I don't know what that law is. But I'm just thinking in my head, I don't see how that person is licensed for that because I don't see how it would be. I personally would not feel comfortable licensing a kid to have a firearm. You know what I mean? But again, that's just me. And, you know, hey, if, if he, if he had it go. legally... You know what I mean? Here we go. Illinois prohibits any person under age 18 from possessing a handgun. State law also prohibits any person from knowingly transferring a handgun to any person under age of 18. However, Illinois also prohibits individuals professing, from possessing firearms if they do not hold a FOID card and prohibits any person from knowingly transferring a firearm to a person who does not hold a FOID card. So um, this young man who obtained an assault rifle was not of the legal age in the state that he lived in. I'm not going to go into the Wisconsin thing just yet, but to further add to it, if he were to have taken a gun from his parents, now they could be facing charges. Mm -hmm. So this situation is going to play out on levels that we have not yet seen. I don't know, but we may have officially started to reach that, that, that tipping point in this country over what has just happened. And with what the NBA has done by choosing to stand down and allowing things to move into that focus, again, I commend them because this has to be addressed. And whatever, whatever process the NBA or, you know, procedure they decide to come to in regards to resuming the game that we love, I'm all for it. Do I want to see the season completed? Do I want to see an NBA champion crown? Absolutely. But do I want to see us make some progress on, on this underlying issue? That more so than anything. Yeah. Um, so, well, quick thing, but I, I, I don't know how the viewers might take this, but a, AR-15 does not mean assault rifle 15. That the AR does not mean assault rifle. Yeah, AR so, doesn't stand for assault rifle. So, so just to make people, because some people might not understand that, and they just see AR-15 assault that's, rifle. That's merely you know I mean? the model designation 
made by the manufacturer of the gun. That's the model that they gave that gun. Made. Yeah. There are numerous models of the AR gun. It's just the AR-15 was the one that became, I guess you could say, the standard bearer for for mm-hmm. that type of, it, of gun. Yeah, it's, it, the com- yeah, because the company is Armalite. So, right. you know what I mean? But that's just, just to keep people in mind, because I don't want people thinking that, oh, you know, again, this is a, this is a horrific situation that, unfortunately, this situation has, these situations are too similar, and they doubt a fact that and, and as we always said, before, one thing we said before, COVID has stopped everything but racism. The country, the economy slowed down, the, everything else is slowing down, but racism has not. And we're seeing this because everybody is now home and that's, we continue to see this. Now with these videos, unfortunately, a lot of racist people are now being recorded because I can only imagine how this would have been spun if this wasn't on video. And the saddest part about it is it still can be spun with the video. It will be spun. So it will be spun. This young man will, you know, and I'm just going to throw some theoreticals out there because I I need our audience to be prepared for what they're going to hear so that maybe the preparation will allow your emotions to not drive you to be too outraged. But again, the common defenses when gun violence is, is thrown upon us is the mental state of the offender. You know, we're talking about a troubled kid. So you guys be prepared to, to, to hear those things and don't let those things incite you. What we need most now is to be able to prove that we, we, can, we, can, we can play by the rules of decorum, but we can also let it be known that we will no longer tolerate it. We will no longer tolerate how we're being mistreated, but we can also do so in a way that isn't counterproductive to the advancement of society. It's a delicate balance. It's a delicate balance, but mm-hmm. I ask that we all try to pursue finding a way to get there together, unified, regardless of your skin color. We, we appreciate each and every one. Like there's a reason why it so easily flows from me. Thank you guys for contributing and, 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 and listening because it's genuine. It's from the heart. We don't care what your, your, your denomination makeup or ground is. We're here because we hope that you love basketball as much as we do. And if you enjoy our perspective. This is our effort to, to bring forth unity through audio. Now, when mm-hmm. we upgrade and go to a video podcast, you will see that we are two African-American men. Absolutely. And hopefully you still continue to, to, to be a supporter. You know, if, if that's enough to make you stop tuning in to Views from the Clutch, I wish you the best in all your endeavors. Mm-hmm. But we are what we are. And regardless of what you are, we appreciate and, 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 and take all of your feedback to heart. Facts. we're here we're here not only for our love but we're here for y'all love too so th- that that's what i want to shine through in, in our sentiments i'm gonna mm-hmm. um segue us into the available nba news that we have not discussed since we last potted because i do feel like our um, listeners deserve to get some basketball talk mm-hmm. um Giannis Antetokounmpo has been named the defensive player of the year yep um did they name the mvp no not yet they they okay. named they named um Coach of the year, defensive player, uh, and that's it. They have not named anything else. Uh, so I'm going to go through the personnel moves and awards that, that I've been made aware of. So coach of the year was given to Nick Nurse. Yeah, for Toronto. Okay. Um, and since we're on the coaching trend, two NBA coaches have lost their employment since we last potted. Yeah. So – Brett Brown and Nate McMillan are yep. no longer the coaches, respectively, of the Philadelphia 76ers, Indiana, Indiana Pacers. After both now, teams was actually swept. Right. Now, on one end, with, you know, our temperature on Philadelphia has been consistent all year. I yeah. think we probably said it in our Philadelphia season preview that this is a make-or-break season for Brett Brown. Oh, yeah, you know, we, we said that was – when we mentioned Philadelphia, he was already on the hot seat. That was the season preview. So – you know what I'm saying? Think about that. The season started almost a year ago, and he's been on the mm-hmm. hot seat since. So, so his, so him, no longer being the Sixers coach, I'm not going to say it's not a surprise, but it's not a surprise. Um, what I am taken aback by is what happened to Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan mm-hmm. is a basketball lifer. I don't know if our fans are aware of his career as a player. He was an excellent defensive stopper. He was, he was the, he was. He was the early combination of deadly backcourt on defense. 
Whereas now we see the Splash Brothers, him and Gary Payton guarding you for 48 minutes a game was hell. Yeah. Literal hell. Because remember, Nate McMillan played in the hand check era and I think slightly out of it before his career was over. Mm-hmm. And he was a stalwart defender his entire career. Yeah, he played all his uh, all 11 years with Seattle, actually. And he was a defensive, uh, made the defensive, I think, first. He was on the all-defensive team twice. Uh, I don't think he's ever made the all Yeah, he never made an all-star team, but he was, uh, he was, he was, he was a solid. Like I said, he knew his role. He didn't. I mean, I'm looking at his stats right now. Career average, he played 796 games. So, like I said, over a total of 11 years, he played pretty much almost in you know, uh, and then he averaged probably about six points a game. You know, six assists. You know, four rebounds. So again, he wasn't the shooter. Uh, for the team, but like I said, he, you always need those type of guys that can play defense, get some stops. He's uh, listed as at six five, so he was mm-hmm. a big guard. So he was able to, um, like I said, with he held damage. his own against. Yeah. Other, I, I promise he also you, if you go back steals through, once. Right. If you go back through, you know, if you guys go on YouTube and you type in any of the '90s perimeter scores, you're gonna see Nate McMillan defending a lot of those guys, and. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are probably, if asked, will admit that he was probably one of the toughest guys to card him. Nick McMillan, he he made his living on the defensive end of the floor. That's that's the point I was trying to bring to the table, and that's what he brought to Indiana. They had a you know a defensive mentality. They were top ten in defensive categories, like at least six of them. Six of like the primary ways that you evaluate team defense, they were in the top ten of them. Yeah. So, and one quick fact, still about. Think about this. He led the league in steals in 1993 and 94, but he came off the bench for majority of the season. So that's and he only played about 20, 20, 25 minutes that year. So that man, you know, you to lead the league in steals or to any any lead any league leader in any category, and you're coming off the bench is significant, super significant. So again, uh, um, we have nothing but respect for both coaches. Brett Brown and and um, Nate McMillan. They both were in difficult situations. Obviously, the Philadelphia situation has been discussed heavily here, so we're not mm-hmm. going to delve back into that. But, you know, let's just talk a little bit about the Nate McMillan situation. Do you feel like this is the right move for Indiana based on where they are currently as a franchise? I mean, I think they're in a, a weird situation. They, they actually, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they extended his contract by extra year. I think he had two years and they gave him extra third. Or maybe he had one year left and they extended it to a second year. Uh, that part I don't remember. Um, so for them to extend, you're thinking, okay, they want to see this out with him. They didn't extend him too many. They gave him an extra year. So they say, okay, after this final year, you know, maybe maybe it'll be a wrap for him. But we don't know for sure. Obviously, we're never going. that's never going to happen. Uh, the team, when you the team, the coach's me, contract. You know, you're you're trying to inject stability into the franchise. That's that's the temperament I get from when either a player, coach, or front office person is getting an extension. You're trying to keep the current, you know, trend that you have going. So that's yeah. what I bought into when I heard about the extension. Absolutely, I was happy for him. Yeah, and then again, he took over in the 2016-2017 season. His uh, four-year record with the team was 183 wins and 136 losses. Um, but on wait, 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 what was it again? 183 again? wins mm-hmm. against 136 losses. But about 500. Yeah, about 500. Actually, his, his 183 wins is third all-time for the Pacers organization. Mm. So he's, he's, he was chasing Larry Bird. So, yeah. So, again... But the sad part about it, to the flip side to that, is he was only three and six in the playoffs. So that's not a good sign because that means he got swept a lot of times. Um, but the saddest part about it, his team wasn't 100% healthy this year. Victor Oladipo sat out most of the year and was still contemplating coming back and playing in this bubble. Uh, Sabonis, who was their best player in their all-star, he sat out completely. So you're going into the playoffs kind of underhanded against a Miami team that's very – very solid, very disciplined, coach very well. Everybody knows their role. They're a well-oiled machine. So you're not going into the bubble at 100%. I thought personally that he you said You said his record was 3-16? and 16? In the playoffs, yeah. 
Okay, so let's delve into that record. Um, in 2016-2017, they lost in the first round to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They never made it out the first round, basically. Just Since he was the clutch. coach. Let's be clear, okay. yeah, yeah. So they lost to, and is it the 2016-2017 season, the um, Cleveland This Is For You season? I think so. I'm about to look, I was trying to look that up real quick while you were talking, but go ahead. I'm pretty sure that's the year that Cleveland came back three, three games to one and um, beat the Warriors. So you're talking about Nate McMillan losing to the eventual NBA champion in the first round of the playoffs. Next year, they took Cleveland to seven games in the first round. Mm-hmm. And that was the year that Cleveland, you know, got tattooed by Golden State in the finals. And that was the year that Cleveland was trying to figure out their roster with like a month to go in the season. And he took them to seven games. Yeah. Let's fast forward to the next year. They lose in a four game sweep to the Celtics. Well, hold on. Let's, let's, let's be clear about that year that you took uh, the Cavs to the, to the, um, to the seven games in the first round. This was the, this was their first season without Paul George. So that's when Victor Oladipo they got traded mm-hmm. for Paul George. So you had a young team. Uh, you get traded. You got a new piece of your franchise playing Paul George once out. You get him out. You trade for Victor Oladipo and uh, a couple other young pieces. It was Sabonis is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. And you take you take uh, Cleveland to seven games with this young new team, so let's give them credit for that. You know what I mean? Let's not let's not escape over that because because they Absolutely. finished um, fifth in the Eastern Conference that year as well. I don't. I, I'm and then going into 2018-2019, they lose in a four game sweep to the Celtics, but yeah. Victor Oladipo didn't play. Mm-hmm. Now this year they lose in a four game sweep to the Heat. Victor Oladipo is not himself yet. And what were the other absentees, notable absentees? You got Sabonis, who, who who's there also. You got yeah. Brogdon, who's been up and down. Jeremy mm-hmm. Lamb tore his ACL. Yeah. So the Pacers were whole two years ago and young. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think Sabonis was there that year, 2017, 2018. No, nah, he, sure. he was. He got traded trade with uh, Paul George. Oh, yeah. That's I right. mean, he got with Vic, Old Depot. We'll that's right. They flourished together. I'm sorry. Yeah, because they both were <laughs> Oklahoma City first. Well, yeah. I mean, okay, so we've harped enough on the fact that it's kind of a – it's murky. I don't want to call it a raw deal, but it's murky. It's murky. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like he may not have been given a full opportunity, but coaching is such a fluid – a fluid um, occupation that if the Indiana Pacers feel like they have a candidate in mind, a move like this makes sense because you want to make yourself available to that candidate. Mm-hmm. So if something like that plays out in the future, I won't, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, they, they had a beeline for a coaching opportunity that we didn't know existed. So they, they went for it. Um, again, Nate McMillan is a basketball lifer. Even when he hasn't had a head coaching job, he's been the assistant coach on a couple of prominent staffs. I do think that he will land on his feet. I don't mm-hmm. know if he'll be able to get another head coaching opportunity, you know, on a bounce back, like, quickly. But I do hope that an opportunity presents itself for him because he's done a great job. He's done a yeah. great job in in bringing players that were obscure or weren't necessarily considered to be super talented to the forefront. Yeah, You know, the Holiday Brothers became a thing because of him. Absolutely. I believe that. So, yeah, um, I mean, that's yeah, he made, be, he made be, Doug McDermott relevant. Yeah. I mean, let's be clear. Look, think about it. Yeah. You had that. Well, um, side note the baseball team, Milwaukee Brewers, decided to uh, post, postpone the game. So, again, so that's another another situation. But back to the, the NBA. Um, oh, I'm situation. not done. I'm not done. Those Chicago franchises need to sit down too. Again, oh, I don't. Are, Illinois. Are they, He's from are Illinois. they still? Are they still? He's from support? Illinois. So, no, no. So what I'm saying I, is, I, I, what I'm saying know. is, are are, they, are those games already played? Because baseball, some of these games are already. Yeah, played. they play early. All, all I'm saying is that Chicago, the Chicago baseball franchises need to get involved too, at some point. That that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm expecting and hoping that they don't just try to leave this situation on the Milwaukee Brewers. 
Oh, we'll see. The, the, the states involved, the franchises involved. Again, Milwaukee set the trend. Chicago Bulls, they can't do anything. They're, they're, they're out of playoffs. Yeah, so, they, yeah. If you're actively playing the sport and you're in the vicinity of where these these these, these tragedies occur, sit down. Sit mm. down. And that goes for all sports. I don't care if there's a golf tournament there. I don't care if there's a hockey franchise. Take the night off. We'll be okay. Mm. Let let the nation see what what needs to be seen. Um, but back 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 to the the basketball court. So. Um, yeah, With so, that being said, how does Indiana move forward? Um, I think, obviously, my personal opinion, by them doing this, I, I'm thinking that some, there's definitely going to be some personnel changes on the roster. Uh, I really feel like with this roster, always being in the middle of the pack but never performing in the playoffs is definitely going to bring some change. Uh, you do have some young pieces that you might be able to get um, – some either some decent other young pieces in return that fit to whoever the new coaching scheme is. Again, there are tons of talks out there with, you know, Dan and Tony being in his last season. Um, does he get offered this, my, this uh, Indiana job? Does Talu on the bench for the Lakers, does he get offered this position? I mean, everybody, the elephant in the room is Mark Jackson, you know? Um, I Not think, my, I mean, but again, I think whether he's, I mean, he's always the elephant in the room because you had the Splash Brothers and you were the first one to, to, to coin the Splash Brothers term. You know, mm-hmm. you should have you trademarked that. You'd have been the gazillionaire by now. But, you know, that's here, never here nor there. But you have that situation where, you know, again, you got a young team with some young, valuable pieces that with the right coach for the next two to three years while they're under contract can flourish. You know, they, they, I think they're going to need the right coach. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking personally, I'm thinking either a Tyloo or Dan and Tony. Obviously, it depends on what other franchises between now and the NBA Finals or the offseason, I should say, happen. Mm-hmm. Because others, I mean, but that, to me, in my opinion, that um, pace of situation is attractive. You have all your star players, the oldest player on your team, actually, is Doug McThermott. Uh, well, Justin Holiday, who's a you know is a solid role player, but I'm, the star players. Let me say the star players between Sabonis is 23, Malcolm Brogdon is 27, Oladipo is 27, Miles Turner is 23. But me personally, I feel like you flipped Miles Turner because I don't see him with a. I, this is what I talked about before the other people, but I don't see Miles Turner as being a fit for that team, fitting. fitting together because you have Miles Turner who is not a back to the basket big. And he's mm-hmm. not a good three-point shooter. He's he's thirty-four percent for the season. But if you've watched these playoff games, he doesn't know if he wants mm-hmm. to go in the post because he's not effective in the post, and he's not really effective shooting the three. So he's got to figure out what game is he. Is he going to be Lamarcus Aldridge and try to stay on the outside and to be the perimeter, or is he going to try to be like his teammates a bonus and go down low? I mean, I really feel like if you're going to step out and shoot the three, you have to. You can't shoot air balls in the playoffs when the crunch time. I mean, I see him. See, well, you can. Kobe you can. Did. Yeah, yeah. But again, you. Well, we know he ain't Kobe. So the point is, the point, the point is, is, the point is, is it's not how you fall; it's how you get up. Okay. Well, let's see him get up in another arena somewhere else. I mean, say I'm okay not, because he's he's contracted for seventeen and a half million for the next two years because we're in a twenty twenty one season, right? Yeah, no, we're yeah. we're still in twenty, no nineteen. We're still in the nineteen twenty season. Oh, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, so, so he still I mean, got. Pacers do have some some unique salary situations to figure out. I think you're going to have to make a decision on a on a guy like Miles Turner to because remember they're not Maybe? a burgeoning free agent destination. Yeah, I don't even right. know what the free agent market is looking like. They're obviously not going to get a good draft pick unless they inherited one from a trade that we don't know about based off of the fact that they went to the playoffs, so they're not going to be in the lottery inherently off of the strength of their record. So mm-hmm. your, your, your repairs and an, an internal... It says here that Monte Ellis has a dead cap figure for next year from the Indiana Pacers for two, two and a half million dollars. I believe that because wow. I think when they... I think they did the amnesty and they stretched the stretch provision. <clears throat> so they stretched mm-hmm. him out for quite a few years. I mean, there's a lot of... Heck, that could be, you know, not for nothing. I mean, the bubble's going on, but 
that could have been another podcast episode. The amount of players that are still on on teams payrolls that are sitting at the crib doing whatever. They probably yeah. Have, players getting players getting paid in in, in socks. Get, yeah, basically getting paid to stay home. So, Don't even wear um, a uniform. Shout out to Monte Ellis though. He was a player that I definitely admired. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. when when he was playing. I mean, his comments kind of like steered him out of the league. But at the end of the day, back to back to the Indiana situation. So I, I'm just you got a team that's perennial middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. You have a roster that's middle of the pack. You have a burgeoning all star who gets hurt in Oladipo. You have a developing young star in Sabonis. And then you have a front court conflict with Miles Turner. Because again, for all that you said about Miles Turner, what you didn't say is that he led the league or he was one of the league leaders in what? The, the league leaders in what? Block shots. So again, we just took time out to demonstrate how his coach is amazing for having played a career where you led the league in steals, only playing 20 some odd minutes a game. Miles Turner was one of the league leaders in blocks without really getting Dang. starters minutes. Mm-hmm. Even though he started every game, though, but he played about 30, 30 minutes, 20, 28 minutes a game. Right. He played upper-level six-man to middling starter minutes, and here he is, uh, you know, amongst the league leaders in the category. So he does bring something to the table. The issue is is that what he brings to the table does not fit the talent. Sabonis is too much better than him for them both to stay on the team. So I think, I think it's not going to be a tough decision. But I also think that the market is jaded. So I don't know what they'll be able to get back for him. Yeah, you want to move him, but everybody knows that. No, of course. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. And then are you moving him for draft picks or are you trying to move him for a player that can fit into your, your scheme? That's a whole other question, too. Or what do you do? What do you think about this? You, you package him and Oladipo to try and get out of that combination one good player. Because you're talking about 21 mil and 38 and 17, that's 38 mil. So maybe you go and get a star and a lesser player in a two-for-two two deal, a disgruntled star somewhere. Maybe, maybe something like that is in the works. I don't know. Yeah, this whole entire know. behavior by the Pacers leads me to believe that like, this is one of those situations where they know something we don't know. Already. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Let's say this, not, not to seem crazy, but... Miles Turner, Oladipo, package to Golden State for the number two pick and Andrew Wiggins, maybe, and maybe you know maybe. But Andrew's at twenty two million. No, I'm saying the money right? might not necessarily work, right? But I'm just saying them trying to say, you know what, we're off that with Andrew Wiggins. You know what I mean? Like maybe they're like that experiment is not what they need. I'm just throwing something out there that could be to keep to keep the. You know, keeping that going though, keeping that going. That's interesting. So, so let's run with our hypotheticals. That's a, that's a good way to, to keep keep the, the the audience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because moving forward, so you do that trade, right? So now Indiana is getting who? They're getting Wiggins. I was saying yeah, Indiana gets Wiggins. And so he can play two the, slash three. Possibly the number two. I mean, because the Warriors have the number two. Yeah, pick. get the number two pick. So you go, you go, you go, Wiggins. Middle, middle of the middle of the pack, less than ten million dollar roster player somewhere in that range mm-hmm. to make the money add up. Yeah, and the number two pick. So you throw it because the number two pick is probably worth alone by itself because the salary number is like five to eight million. Yeah, uh, not not to mention the the the, the um, actual value of the player who could be involved in that second pick. So Indiana now has that. They take Wiggins, a middle in player. Who do you draft? What do you draft with the number two pick? Well, I mean, they could stick along. Well, again, I don't. The just the, the tricky part about this is, do you throw in, um, what you call it? Do you throw in Wiseman, the big man? You know, so what you mean? draft him, then make the trade. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, yeah. I, have to, I think you have to draft him. You tr- make the trade on draft day. You have that talk. Say, hey, y'all take Wiseman, or y'all take, um. The number two pick that might fit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say they would take a big because you're losing a big and you're losing a, your, your two guard, but you're gaining. But you have your franchise big and it's a bonus. That's another thing. But yeah, then or, or you take Obi Toppin. But again, okay. Obi Toppin spreads <laughs> the floor a little bit more than Sabonis does. Let's, let's park this and mm-hmm. let's move to where we need to go because this conversation is taking us there anyway. Let's reboot. NBA draft. Who are your 
top three or four picks as far as players, as far as their talent level? Who do you consider to be the top of the draft? Okay, so not not what the experts say, but just based off of what you've been able to see and what you know, who where where do you, where do you rate these guys? Uh, I I'm going with um, Lamelo Ball as best player available in the draft. Um, I wouldn't say best player, but he's top. He's one of the top picks to me. Okay, so so we'll 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 generously put him at number three. I think uh, Anthony Edwards out of Georgia, the two number guard. two. Number two, um, and I think I think the um, I would only say Obi Top because those are probably the three that I would remember offhand. And why is you're me? big? You're big on this Obi Toppin guy. Why? Well, he's from New York. Um, but oh yeah, I forgot about that. But not nah, he to me. He was he's six nine. I think he's six nine, six nine, mm-hmm. like a like a stretch force height. Like an, um, he to me he reminds me of. What the way he played, he played at Dayton now. Now, granted, that's like kind of a they were ranked pretty high. I would say mm-hmm. he, he reminded me of a Stoudemire. Amari, he reminded me of Amari, just maybe with less bounce, but the real good hands finishing around the rim. Um, he did step out to about the he stepped out, he shot a couple of threes, but a lot of things were like elbow extended, you know, 15 footers. You know, he's very consistent with those. Uh, which very similar to Mari. He wouldn't shoot the three, but he was consistent about 13 to 15 feet. Um, but he had he had the explosion explosiveness to dunk on you. Um Obi Toppin's doing windmills and between the leg dunks in games, you know. So obviously you gotta have some type of bounce for that. I hope you're right. Because you're not the only person who's sung the praises of this kid. I did go back and watch his highlight reel. I don't think that that gives me an objective perspective to speak on him, and I won't. And because the fact, again, like you said, he's from New York, there will be no New York slander of any person who rises above what you have to to come out of this state and get to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we're typecast as a basketball factory, but our path to the NBA is as difficult as it gets, you know? California kids seem to have, you know, the the the, the golden brick road, and and New Yorkers have the <laughs> the old roads in Manhattan by the courthouse. So I'm definitely hoping that this Ob Topping kid comes into the league and you know cements himself as a valid player. From what I saw, does he fit the NBA landscape? Absolutely. Do I think he can develop into a dominant force? I don't know. And well, that, that's where I'm at right now. Who, well, who do you have? Because honestly, the fact that this this um, NCAA season was cut before the national before the tournament, a lot of these players, I would have been take, paying attention, and I start paying attention to a lot of these draft picks once the tournament starts to kind of get a gauge and see them, unless they've been talked about all through the whole NCAA season. But a lot mm-hmm. of them don't get talked about as much because they're in these markets that are not on television. But once you get to the tournament, you start seeing guys a little bit more. So, but who are your three that you would consider? All right. I got to pull up the list. Um, So I don't want to make it seem like I'm cheating, but just to be um, like real about the whole situation, I think there are three names but I think that there are going to be a lot of players that we weren't really focused on. Oh, absolutely. That, wind up, that wind up stealing the, the thunder. Always I'm high is. on I'm, I'm high on Wiseman. Okay. Because, I, I mean, but again, the competition that made me high on him is not equivalent to what he's going to see. But um, I'm high on Wiseman because I think his defensive potential is through the roof. And he just has to continue to develop his range. And he can be another Chris Bosch. He's left-handed, very active, very springy. Mm. I, think, I think if Minnesota is foolish enough to pass on him, that wherever he lands, if that situation is great, he could, you know, he could steal a conversation. Um, so you got Wiseman, you got Lamelo, and you got Edwards. Edwards is ready. Mm-hmm. He's drop him on a team. 
he's going to be able to execute all the necessary basketball actions that he needs to. He's got a longer wingspan than his height. He's 6'4". Yeah, but he's and, NBA ready. Uh, six, they got him listed on TV at 6'5", 225. Yeah, but he's got a wingspan of somebody who's 6'9". Yeah. So that, and again, and we think that that doesn't matter or we don't understand it, but the perfect example of what wingspan can do for you is Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. So Donovan Mitchell has got like almost a seven foot wingspan, but he's six three. So mm-hmm. that additional length that he gets from, you know, his arms allows him to execute at an elite level. Um, I think RJ Hampton got forgotten, but obviously the third name I'm talking about is Lamelo Ball. So you got Wiseman, mm-hmm. Lamelo, Edwards. Those are the three names, the the marquee top tier names. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a foreign kid that they will put me onto. I just don't know his name. But it looks like he's going to enter the draft, and he actually looks pretty good. He's another he point pretty... guard, right? He's a point guard. No. Oh, um, so you're talking about could, this um, cat from the cat. I think he's a small forward, like 6'9", six, 6'10", six, kid? Yeah, him, um, 2K20. He almost looks like a, like a, a knockoff Pazingas or something. I don't know if he looked like You that. mean on the court? or No, just mean... saying, like, I think on the court, he was kind of linky-looking kid, could shoot from the outside. I don't remember his name. I'm trying to look it up to see if I can find his name. Because um, I thought you was talking about the, uh, what's the kid, Killerman, I think his first name is. But this the Killerman kid I was talking about is a guard, uh, point guard. So I don't know, from France. I think he played on, I want to say he played on uh, one of those France, big-time France teams or, or maybe Euro League teams. Uh, but no, go ahead. Like I said, not to get too sidetracked, I mean, because... We are coming. I think his name is Usman Garuba. I think that's who it is. Usman. Uh, but he's kind of like a dirty work guy. I'm trying to. Uh, I don't know. Find. I got to go to like a mock draft site just to see if. Yeah, because I'm looking at 2021. And again, it's the 2020. So um, he should be in here. Yeah, it's the kid from Israel. I'm sorry. His name is Denny Avdija. Okay, 6'9", cat. Yeah, 6'9", Linky kid. If you, if you look at, if you look up his name. I mm-hmm. thought he, I thought he played like a like a you know not like a poor not say a poor man's Pazingas, but just very lanky to shoot. He he, he doesn't really much. Yeah, he he does a lot of the things that go under the radar that make success on the basketball court easy for you. Or does he you look like Gallinari? Maybe he plays yeah, like Gallo. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's like a Gallo. That that you're right because that's that's. Um, They've got that kid from a lot of these kids are, are, are either foreign or, you know, like I said, mm-hmm. under the radar. Another one is Onyeka Onkongwo. These names are going to be, he played for USC. I think the problem with him, though, is that he's only 6'9 and he played the five man. Yeah. So he's going to have to develop some sort of perimeter skills to be, you know, of any type of usefulness in the NBA because that, that error is just that error. Yeah. You have to, you have to step out. out, you have to stretch the floor. You know, um, there's Tyrese Halliburton. There's 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 a, there's some names out there. You got Greg Anthony's son, Paul Anthony. who somehow slipped. Yeah, as far as mock draft ratings go, it's, it's amazing to me how these names slip in an era where nobody's even available to play basketball. But he has. He's gone from a potential lottery pick. Same thing with R.J. Hampton. Yeah, yeah. R.J. Hampton was talked about. Him and him and uh, Lamelo Ball was talked about like one and two. Neck and neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here we are now. They're talking about you know bottom of the first round with these guys. So you know, but all this should change too. All this should change. Yeah. Get the right agent. Get the right personnel. Uh, people will look at you. Get promises. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, hey. But I just think that this year's the the the, the Minnesota drives the narrative, and I'm concerned with everybody automatically sending Anthony Edwards there. I'm trying to understand why that's such a great thing for them to do because they need a two guard. Do they? Yeah, they have. They have. You gotta think about it. They trade. They have D'Angelo Russell and they have Carl Anthony Towns. Their point guard and their power force last center. Did they draft this kid named Jared Culver, or did I miss that? They did. Who's six six? Who's six? They six? did, but he plays the one and the two. Yeah, but I, is he a shooter? Oh, so the belief is that Anthony Edwards is some sort of. Phenomenal perimeter shooter. I mean, if if we're looking at their if we're looking at their college highlights, Anthony Edwards was more dominant in it. But but again, that's that's also. But is he a good not, shooter? Is, is what I'm asking. Listen, I think you, you I draft think, a two guard because you said they need a yeah, shooter. I think he. So D'Angelo Russell is, don't take. 
D'Angelo Russell don't shoot 480 moon balls, uh, and you got Carl Anthony Towns shooting well, then, okay, another so 480 who, so moon who balls. So who do you who do you do you think do you really think they're gonna draft a player like Wiseman or Lamelo? My pick for the Wolves, if I was to pick at the draft, if I was to go through the three the the, the picks, yeah, of, of where I would send guys. Anthony Edwards fits best on the Hornets. Wiseman fits best playing alongside Carl Anthony Towns, making up for all the things that everybody derived Carl Anthony Towns for not being able to do, which is to defend on the interior. Yeah. Because that just comes naturally for Wiseman. Mm-hmm. He's seven feet tall. He's young, yeah. hyper athletic, runs the floor, yep. and is not going to demand to be included in the offense in the same way that a guy like Anthony Edwards, because of his tool set, his skill set, like there's no point to drafting Anthony Edwards to watch him be the, the guy who's spotted up on the wing, hoping that D'Angelo Russell passes him the ball on a 3,048th Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell pick and roll. Because mm-hmm. D'Angelo Russell has led the league in run pick and rolls whenever he's got the minutes. But then, but then do you, are you now saying that with the pick and roll, you're clogging the paint because Wiseman's not a shooter. He's not able to step out. So You're not going to use Wiseman on, 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 the, on, on that pick and roll action. You're going to weak side him. You're going to put him in a dunker position. Okay. Like they do Ben Simmons. And he's seven feet tall. Yeah, yeah, so, no, no, yeah. No, no. Absolutely. So, yeah, y'all absolutely. help on a dump down or a drive, and all they got to do is just put the ball in the end of the rim. He's going to finish. Okay. And he'll, and he'll be happy doing that as a young yeah, you know, big. Of course, yeah, yeah. And he can learn from Carl. No, no. I understand why you say your pick. I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of who in this today's NBA. And the reason why I say that is, and is Anthony also- Edwards so good that you pass on an opportunity on somebody well, who, see that we- from a basketball sense, fits? I See, let me say this. I don't know because, for one, Anthony Edwards, yes, he played more recently than Wiseman, mm-hmm. but none of them have played in a long time. So mm-hmm. I don't know what type of shape these people are coming in. You know, I don't know what the talks are around. I'm just looking at, yes, do you, do, does he make, does Anthony, I mean, Wiseman make sense? Because now you have somebody that's taller than, um, taller than Cat that is going to do, like you said, the dirty work that Cat's not going to do. But if I got to look up Minnesota Timberwolves, I got to figure out, again, you said you got Jared Culver. Uh, on their team, mm-hmm. and, and they do- have the uh, they have the African kid who plays the two slash three that that was taking minutes from Andrew Wiggins because he played hard. Oh yes, yes. Uh, I forgot my man. Okongu, or yeah, something, something like, like that. that. It was like number twenty or something like mm-hmm. Josh. Okay, Oki, Josh Oki. Yep, I remember him now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I can't. This is this is. They already this- have a backup point guard, right? If it's Jerry, because if you're drafting, if you're if you're drafting as if you need a two guard, then Jared Culver's your backup two, backup one. I'm sorry. Yeah. You got you got to figure that out. I mean, you have again. This, but this is the Timberwolves who right. remember they remember they they're they're in the they're in the draft for a reason. Consistently. So and another reason why I'm saying that, why I'm proposing that, is because if Timberwolves take Wiseman first. They change the complexity of the entire draft beneath them. If they take Anthony yes. Edwards, then things are just going to kind of like fall into play. Then you're the Warriors. You have to take James Wiseman. They absolutely cannot be involved with drafting LaMelo Ball. No, no, no. Because if you're drafting LaMelo Ball, you're drafting in a trade him. You're not keeping LaMelo Ball because he won't fit Steph, Clay. And, and you have to have that trade already mapped out. Yes. Do you really want his father? To get a microphone in front of him after the Warriors draft him? No, no, no. Do you really need that smoke? Listen, listen. I think, I think if there's going to be a lot of rumblings. I mean, you you got to think about what the what the um, Golden State is going to figure out and they're going to try to do is um, I don't know if they're going to what they're going to do because, like I said, yeah, if Wiseman's off the board immediately, Anthony Edwards nor Lamelo Ball fit Golden State unless you got a trade already in the works. Exactly. Now, do you maybe maybe you speak to Atlanta or or and and say, hey, Atlanta, you got the sixth pick. You know what? Or Anthony Edwards is from Atlanta. He's from Georgia. 
you know what, Hemet, you could you can pitch that sale and you could you could you could be Golden State if if Anthony Wise is off the board at number one, right? Or or Minnesota, if if you have any type of a cunning GM, you reach out to the Warriors. Yeah. And you offer them or the Hornets the opportunity to draft whoever they want with your pick and get a player back. Yeah. I mean you gotta think about it. Dallas and Atlanta did it with Dirt um Luca with, um, and Trey Young. So it can so be I, done. So I just think that the T Wolves definitely need to explore all their options. I definitely hope that their front office is because I wouldn't want and I don't think it makes sense to pigeonhole themselves into we gotta take Anthony Edwards with the number one pick in the draft. I don't think it's a, a smart position to take. Obviously they haven't spoken on it, so I'm not behaving as if they have. I'm just saying all the pundits and all the people that, you know, watch the game and have spoken on the draft, they've just, you know, kind of like already bought Anthony Edwards a bubble coat. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Of course. And and I think I think that's a little too presumptuous. I would think that if you're a smart GM and, a, and you're trying to advance your franchise with knowing that you have your cornerstones in place. You mm-hmm. got D'Lo, you got Cat, you already embedded with Cat when you gave him the extension. D'Lo got one now too. Yeah. Even if you're not the ones who issued it to him, he got that extension that, that's brought him there. So your salary is already earmarked. Now you need to decide with these players who are no longer yeah, rookies. No They're all past that four-year player mark. Well, you got all-stars. Right. Remember, they you both got guys, all-stars. And you're in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. And it only gets tougher. It only gets tougher. So now you need to build a team that's capable of at least smelling like a threat. And I don't think you do that by drafting another guy who's so much younger than they are and hoping he develops into what they need. I think you definitely explore your options with that pick. And if you can hold a couple franchises hostage by leveraging that opportunity for them to draft number one, you definitely got to do it. Yeah, You definitely got to do it. Oh, no, I'm sure. See, that's the thing about the NBA that I like so much is is they're always making enough personnel moves with player movement. That's a real thing. So you know going into every draft, teams are trying to restructure for the win-now situation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because like you said, you have the point guard and your, and your power forward that are all-stars, that are young, that are you know trying to reach their prime but have the possibility of reaching their prime together. Who says that they don't package this deal up to Phoenix and try to still trap uh, um, Devin Booker? You know what I mean? Mm. Who who said they don't say, "Hey, listen, you want the number one pick, Devin Booker? We want him. We want him, and we'll give up, you know, number one pick and whatever role plays to make the money money work." Because remember, these players nowadays they all talk about they even talk they talk to each other about playing together, and these these D'Angelo Russell, Booker, and Cat mm-hmm. have all been on magazine covers together. All all mm-hmm. have all put it out there. Who says that stuff is not working? And, and, and again, and at that point, when you sell the Minnesota fans is, we have three young all-stars. Stars. Stars. Whoa, 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 whoa wait, wait, wait. Yeah, Booker They're all-stars. All, Booker got in. Three young all-stars in three of the top positions in the NBA. They can argue and say, listen, we, have, we now have three of the top 15 players in the NBA mm-hmm. going forward mm-hmm. that are all... We have a top five center. Yep. You got a top fifteen point guard and a top and, and a top five shooting guard. You really put yourself on the clock. You do that, Minnesota. Yeah, but then the thing you about really. it is, you also have now you have time to develop these players as well. No, because, you don't. No, 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 you don't. You, you know the reason why you ha- you have at least you have at least three years. Because those okay. guys are all contractually, you have that, but expectation wise. I don't think the um, – I mean, obviously, Tim, Timberwolves is a small market franchise, but I think if you go out and acquire essentially what is the equivalent to a young super team, wouldn't that be that? Yeah. You, you have a young super team. You, you're turning the you're, – you're putting the world on notice. You're putting your fans on notice. You got to go to the playoffs. Oh, easily. You got to go to the playoffs. Because yeah. again, you got the most angry, light skinned person in the NBA, and Devin Booker, who's who believes he's done everything he possibly can to, you know, have some success, and you gonna yeah. bring him to another franchise in another situation, and y'all still not winning. That ain't gonna fly. 
That is not gonna fly. But yeah, it's interesting how how this draft could um reshape the NBA landscape. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I think this is a mystery. You know, like this is this is this is a mystery meal NBA offseason that we're gonna be heading towards. And again, you know, like you said, what, what's your saying about COVID? COVID stopped everything, but what? Racism. Yeah. So to all our viewers, listeners, and subscribers, we'd like to take the time out to say thank you for joining us in this conversation. If you would like to further contribute to the conversation, you can do so by leaving us a voice note on any of the podcasting platforms where we are hosted. You can reach us directly via email at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. You can tag us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to serving y'all again in the future. And on that note, we'll say peace. Peace.